This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is what people really want. What they really want. We're like an italicized you. really. Yeah, really. Also on the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news. A study finds the gender stereotypes are alive in the dating world. Oh, no. And a study finds out how many days it takes people to swap numbers on an app. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions, including one guy who wants to know what women notice when they see a man's apartment for the first time, and a listener who keeps getting ghosted on apps after matching. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. She is a health and lifestyle journalist who has written for Cosmopolitan, our favorite, Glamour, Self, Teen Vogue, Marie Claire, Psychology Today, and many more. She is the author of The Love Gap, A Radical Plan to Win in Life and Love. Please welcome Jenna Birch. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Uh, So you set out to research who men say they want to date and who they actually commit to. Is that right? Right. What did you find? So I was like really fascinated by this concept of psychological distance. And that's something that I wanted to explore in this book. Like, do we actually choose the people that we claim to want in reality? That was something that it, it didn't seem to match um, there was this like modern day dream girl, like that lots of people would talk about and report in magazines. And, um, it was really interesting because it was always like the smart, successful, ambitious, like assertive woman. And all those friends of mine at the time that I was starting to research love gap fit that mold, but they were all single. And I was like, this is so funny that like if 95 plus percent of men want this, like, why is it something that seems so hard to, to commit when you're in that that when you fit that box, I guess. So there are a lot of cool studies surrounding psychological distance and what that does. A lot of survey studies show us that men want to date that type of woman. But when you actually dive in and they have to interact with that woman, they sometimes like it triggers the sense of their masculinity and like needing to be smarter and more powerful. All these like weird gender dynamics that we talk about now, which we'd like to dissolve these like ancient things that used to exist between us. Like this idea that the man is the provider and the woman is the nurturer, but those stereotypes still exist and are pretty alive and well, um, at least subconsciously in the way we select. So what does that mean for women dating that are ambitious and career driven. Yeah, this seems like downer downer news for right. all the all the cool ladies that I because know. I'm assuming the moral is not just give up your job. <laughs> <laughs> it's never the moral and I've I've had that question asked so many times like what does that mean? What do I do then? And the answer is just like be really diligent about the men that you let in and the type of filter that you have up. A lot of times we just go with our emotions and it's really easy to do that. Um, to, to just follow them right into that, you know, fun relationship. But then there's like a screeching halt when somebody realizes like you're farther ahead in their career, your career than he is. And there's like weird competitive dynamics. So, you know, I just, I I like to tell women to like, think about where a guy is at in his life and just kind of keep it in mind when they're approaching a relationship, the more they have going on in transition and the less they have figured out, oftentimes the less headspace they have available for a relationship. And it's not necessarily about that relationship in particular, but there are those comparative dynamics that exist when, you know, the guy 
a lot of times is, is looking at the person he's dating and if she's super successful, he's like, oh my God, I have to need to get my shit together. <laughs> um, so being aware of that going into relationships can often help you navigate them and see if someone's really emotionally available to you. Um, and then, you know, never settle for less and never dumb yourself down because you're not going to be happy in that relationship. That's like the essence of settling. So it's really just being diligent about finding those supportive partners. Even if like you have to date more to find that gem, you invest in that person. I feel like we got really lucky with the guys that we ended up with. Like for you, Angela, when Ian met you, you were starring in <laughs> This Is Why You're Single, the sketch show. But it was, you know, at the time it was like a sold out show in like the Wall Street Journal and like New York Times. It was it was like you were at the height, you were on stage, you know, you were like the star. Right. So if he was the type of guy that was going to be embarrassed that he wasn't that successful in the comedy world uh, himself or, you know, didn't want a girl that... He he could let shine in the spotlight, then it wouldn't have worked out, you know? Right, but I actually feel like my success was what was attractive. Exactly. Yeah. Which is good. Yes, it's good. (laughs) I feel like we ended up with guys that were attracted to success, you know, or to successful women and that were totally down to let them shine in the spotlight and be like, and, you know, and kind of be the wingman, you know, or not wingman, but um, like arm candy, you know? (laughs) Uh, Right, and even like privately, I feel like what I like in my relationship is that like if I know something that Ian doesn't like he likes that like Mm -hmm. he likes learning new things from me totally but I guess there are men out there that are intimidated I think it's definitely like if you have a strong sense of self and like you know who you are and where you're going and what you bring to the table in a relationship that really matters like that you have that internal self-esteem versus if you're like trying to you know create a sense of self-esteem through external which a lot of people do like they have external markers that they need to meet and if they're doing that and striving for that, then oftentimes they can't be fully available to you or they're going to think like you're farther ahead than me because it's all a measurement. But the guys that have that internal sense of self-worth and self-esteem and they're like, I know who I am. Like I'm going to bring this to the table and I like someone who pushes me. Like that's really, that's the gold standard. That's what you're looking for. So that's great. I feel like Nick and I kind of take turns. Like if he's got his art show that he's doing, then I'm totally excited to be the arm candy and like step aside and like let my man shine and then if I've got something to promote he's a very supportive partner and will like step up to the plate in terms of like taking care of the dog or whatever it is so yeah you just need to have a guy that is confident and isn't intimidated I guess yeah and sometimes it can take a long time to find that person but that's like the age of commitment keeps creeping upward and I think we have high standards for what that looks like in terms of someone who promotes growth for us especially as women you know we don't need a man anymore so like we want someone who's really supportive in that partnership so we wait for those so it's great that you guys have found it luckily yes it's worth holding out for what about you this the show's called this way single are you single I am. I am currently single. So So what has all this research taught you about what you're looking for in a guy? And what have you learned about your past exes from writing this book? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them were not ready or emotionally available for relationships, but like I was so emotionally invested. And I think that that kind of like learning to temper expectations by what you're seeing in reality, like this is logically what he's giving me is (laughs) something that you have to be able to do. Um, And that was something that I didn't do when I was younger. But after the book, I didn't date while I was writing the book. I wanted it to be very clear minded. I wanted to like just take it in as a journalist and really kind of live through these different men and women's stories. So I was in like the best headspace to write a book. Um, And then like uh, a handful of months after I wrote the book, maybe six to eight months, I met my last boyfriend, which was 
the, the healthiest relationship I've ever had by far. That's it, good. Yeah, it ended because of distance, but it was one of those things that was like, I was really in tune with how I was feeling and like how, you know, the relationship made me feel. And it just felt so intuitively good and supportive. And I hadn't had that before where the relationship was like a true partnership where like I felt like he was as happy for me as like I would be about a success. And that was something that I was looking for. And I really was paying attention to whether or not I was getting that feedback, that feedback loop in a relationship. Um, and that's why, you know, I've learned a lot in terms of, you know, how to select healthy things, like the right things that feel good to me. And that's really all that matters is like your personal path and your journey. No one else has to understand your partnership. Only you do. So that's what I want to empower women in the book too, to just be like, no one has to understand your relationship. If you understand it and it feels good to you, then that's, what's the most important thing. Uh, you also looked at extensive data and research to write the book, which if you, for you listeners of the podcast, you know that Angela and I love nothing more than our studies. Um, what did you find in your research that, that was the most surprising or that you didn't already know? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say that I, I looked at relationship research old and new. So I think rediscovering some of the older like relationship research or like the older, um, the, the stuff that had been around for a while that I guess I really hadn't looked into because I'm, I'm a journalist. I like always filter through what's new and what's trending and what's now. Like being able to look at some of the old theories that exist in psychology and like why we choose partners. Like I loved something that, you know, it's called the self-expansion model. Mm -hmm. And it's from Art Aaron and he's like a really good researcher. He and his wife are older now and like they work together and he came up with this idea of like, why do we choose the partners that we choose? And this idea of expansion, like they give us something extra, like that we can't reach on our own. Like in, you know, they're really into spirituality and things like that and they combine that into their research. So I really loved that in particular. Like the Ooh, reason like that, that we choose things is because they expand us in a very in some way, they, they give us expansion. They reach beyond who we are as a person. Um, and I like that. And it feels very modern to me, even though the research is somewhat old. Like, it feels modern for millennials who are looking for something that's it's not just that relationship of convenience like before or, like, something that was need-based. Like, our, you know, my grandma, you know, married for a completely different reason than I will marry. Mm -hmm. um, and that idea of expansion I thought was really cool to look back at and find. Yeah, finding someone that helps you become your best self. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've, I've always known that about myself, that I'm attracted to people that have qualities that I wish I had mm -hmm. and that I would like to like cultivate. Like cooking? <laughs> well... <laughs> Yes, but mostly I feel like I've always dated people that are super sociable and like, like just like know everybody, like mayor of the town. Kind That's of true. Ian person. can talk to anyone. And I'm not like that, but because I'm with him, it like, I'm like, all right, you're talking. I got to talk. It like pushes me out of my comfort zone. So I, I feel that, That's that great. expansion. Yeah. I think the research was felt and I love those things that are felt and someone puts them into words. I'm like, ah, oh, this makes so much sense. I'm glad this exists. <laughs> Um, so you also wrote for Soloish in the Washington Post, which we are big fans of here. And you wrote about why it's so hard to turn a Tinder date into a relationship. And that's a pretty common question we get around here. Yes. Why is it so hard? What's the reason? Yeah. So I was really big into this for, it was kind of my post project. I, I would say my post book project is I was trying to figure out like the dynamics of app relationships and app dating, because it's the one thing that when I interview singles, it's the first thing that they ask me about, like, you know, what app should I be using? Why is this not working? Like, why does nothing seem to stick? It's so chaotic. I'm flaked on. I'm ghosted. And I 
was like, I don't have like a great answer, but I'm going to dig into this because it's still a very new thing in the whole scheme of things. Like apps are very new. Um, but we didn't really know about the word ghosting before apps came on the scene. Like we didn't really think about it in that way, that term. It's just become so prolific that things don't stick and we treat people differently online than we would elsewhere. Um, so I asked a lot of you know researchers, psychologists who kind of study and synthesize this. And, and part of the reason is that there is a lack of accountability um, and there is like a context issue. Whereas like we treat people differently you know, if we meet them maybe through friends of friends, there is that like built-in layer of like, they know everyone I know. So in a way, if you don't treat them well, like you have to see them again, probably. So or you're going like, to get a bad rap. Yeah, you're going to get a little bit of a bad rap. So and that was something that was a big factor in it. Um, and then it's just set up, I think, the way that you swipe. It's, it's very game-like and you don't really, you don't process a lot of what's going on. It's just very, it, it's set up to like make it, somewhat of an addiction and then once you get all your matches it's a paradox of choice problem I don't know which one to choose um, so I think it's making a lot of people less happy to be on the apps um, which is when I design my own app like which I've done this is my next project so I'm the CEO of Plum um, a new dating app and it kind of goes with this psychological science that I've been studying for a long time now um, post book my post book project and part of it is creating a layer of an accountability um, there will be a rating system, kind of like an Uber rating, you know, about follow through in people, communication, you know, those qualities of respect that we don't have um, that we want people to rate on. So like it, there is it's kind of substituting for a social circle or something that would keep you accountable and honest. That's like a Black Mirror episode, <laughs> which it's, I love. It's funny that you name it Plum because uh, the only guy that I've ever gone on an online date with his name was Ralph Plum. Interesting. So, in just his honor. <laughs> that was from, that was match.com. Wow. <laughs> Old this school. was a long time Old ago. School. Uh, well, I think everything you just talked about is going to be very helpful for one of our listener questions later on. And we're going to talk also later on in the podcast more about Jenna's plan for navigating monitored relationships and plan for you guys, basically. Um, but first, let's take a quick sponsor break and then we're jumping into what's in the news. We would like to thank our sponsor, Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. It's so nice to see my name on a vitamin pack. You know it's for you. I know that it's specifically for me. It's got only the things that I need in them. Mine include things like probiotics and calcium, um, some of those omegas. Yeah. And you know, I like them because not only do they look really pretty, but they're also great for for traveling. And I'm going to I plan to do a lot of traveling this winter cuz I want to get out of New York. I was pretty missed last year. Yeah, well, it's cold, you know. Yeah. That's why we all have vitamin D deficiencies. This is true. I, vitamin D is something that's also in my pack. You you need that, especially mm -hmm. when you're like Angela and I and you live on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, if you're not sure what you need, great news. Care of will help you out because Care of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet and your health goals and your lifestyle choices. And it only takes five minutes to find out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. Your vitamins get delivered right to your door in a personalized, easy to remember daily pack. 
perfect for your busy on the go lifestyle. Or like we said, if you're traveling, Care Of puts honesty first, providing all the research that supports each of their recommendations backed by a scientific advisory board. And they also have vegan and vegetarian supplements if you are a vegan or vegetarian. And they will help you match your dietary needs. Yeah, so go to TakeCareOf.com and take that fun online quiz. And for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter This Is Why. That's TakeCareOf.com. Use This Is Why and you're going to get that 25% off your first month. All right, Angela, what have you been reading about in the news? So I was so excited. I found a news story that I think kind of uh, is in line with like what we were talking about earlier with gender dynamics and all that stuff. So uh, it was from Mashable. Laura Byagher wrote it. It's gender stereotypes are still alive and well in the online dating world, according to a study. Um, super depressing. They said in a major new study from the Oxford Internet Institute, researchers have found that both men and women still exhibit gender stereotypical behavior when dating online. Um, the study concluded that online dating has actually exasperated male-dominated initiation and that men are 30% more likely to write the first message. And not only that, if a uh, woman reaches out first, her response rate goes down 15%. Ugh. Mm. Um, well, that's why I like I like apps like Bumble where the woman has to reach out first, right? Right. That is true. So then that would kind of, you know, poo-poo this stupid study. Exactly. But I feel like I'm, I'm happy reading this uh, depressing news story this week because I feel like you're the the optimistic answer to this is like that there are men out there mm-hmm. that have the confidence to like be receptive to a woman messaging them first. Actually, I messaged my the type boyfriend of guy you first. Want. Right, you message Ian first. Yes, he was the only person I ever messaged first, and and now you're about to get engaged. Now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> <laughs> Running bit on this show. Every week we get emails from listeners being like, "Can't wait for Angela to get engaged." Well, we're I'm gonna like, do a whole celebratory. Me too, girl. We're gonna uh, do a whole celebratory <laughs> episode. It's gonna be so good. But anyway, but right. So that is. Yeah, the solution I, to this I epidemic, mean, I guess. The, the great thing is if you respond in a behavior that feels very natural and normal to you, like sending the first message, for instance, then you're in a good place. If that person doesn't reply, then they're obviously not the kind of person that you want if they are not going to sh- respond negatively to something that is too assertive by a woman. I'm like, that's not the person I want anyway. So I have so many women who are bold and assertive and strong in their like career lives. And then they go and they're like, oh my God, I don't know if I should text him. Like, And they dwell about it and I'm just like just do what's normal to you and like the right person is going to respond positively to that I messaged Nick first after we met he like walked me to the subway and I had gotten his card um not only did I invite him to a holiday party I was throwing later that week like when we met I was like you have to come to my holiday party you're coming very assertive I later that night like went home and googled him and just like binged on his website and looked at all of his art and was very smitten and then wrote him a long ass really crazy email but hey he wrote back and asked me out on a date and the rest is history and now we have a baby so I actually so Angela and I are both examples of being assertive women and it has really worked out for us I think what we're taking away from this is messaging first is actually a good way to weed out a guy that's going to be like not confident enough to 
keep up with you. And, and not emotionally available. Fine ass. Right. Yeah. Um, Do you want to know what I've been reading? Yeah, what are you reading? So I've been reading The Independent. This is a study by, or uh, sorry, an article by Sabrina Barr. Millennials take an average of four days to swap numbers on a dating app, the study finds. So a recent study has discovered that the average amount of time it takes for millennials to swap phone numbers during the current digital age of dating is four days after exchanging approximately 36 messages. So this study was commissioned by a dating app called Toffee Dating, which I've never heard of. Have no. you guys heard of that? No. No. Whatever. They did the they did the study. And um, now we've they, heard of them. Now Brilliant. we've heard of them. Yeah. They also found that it takes millennials around a week to decide to meet up for a first date. So 5,000 dating app users were questioned as part of the study, all aged between 18 and 30 years old. Uh, the CEO of Toffee Dating said, we've seen that they're now putting a lot of more effort into their profiles. They're prioritizing personality over appearance. I'm skeptical of that, but I hope it's true. And they're taking longer to get to know a match before a meeting, and they're handpicking people with similar interests. The study also investigated the various elements of a person's dating app profile that may spur someone to swipe left for them. And I thought I'd share that. Are you guys curious? Yeah. Okay, 72% of the people surveyed said that they would turn down a profile if it did not include a bio. So, guys, put a bio. 66% said that they would swipe left if the picture on a profile were obviously edited. And 68% said that they would swipe left if someone wrote that they were, quote, looking for fun. So, you know, I guess if you're looking for fun, aka you just want to hook up, then, you know, it's good to be upfront about that. But just know uh, 68% of the population's maybe not looking for that, too. And uh, moral of the story, put a bio or put a picture uh, put put a bio and put a picture that's not heavily edited. Yeah, you know, people you, can see through that bo- that Facetune bullshit. Facetune and also big turnoff for me personally when people do the Snapchat filters. When you like, oh, like I have a cute little dog face. I'm right. Like, yeah. That is don't use that the as mark your, mark of a crazy person. Don't use that experience. as your freaking profile. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll put that shit in my stories, but of don't course. use that as your profile. Does the four days surprise you, or does that sound about right? It does sound about right. I think that people. Um, I think that it's a good amount of time. You want to see some level of investment, but if you're like sticking on the app for way too long, then I feel like it just gets caught in app purgatory and you don't really know where to go with it. Um, and exchanging numbers sounds like really normal. And, and a lot of people, it's weird because first time app users also, they have like a thing about exchanging numbers where they don't know if they should do it. I'm like, if you want to like tell someone you're interested and want to go out and get it off the app, just give them your phone number. They'll immediately take the hint. You can always <laughs> block the number if yeah, things if you need get to. dark. Exactly. This you conversation is perfect for one of our, our listeners. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a pause on this because we're going to dive deep into one of our listener questions. But first let's take a quick sponsor break. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Simple Health. Simple Health is care that fits your life. They use technology to provide simple, convenient, and affordable care at home, starting with online birth control prescriptions and delivery, which is very cool. I wish they had this, you know, back when I was a youngin, when I was, you know, asking people for rides to Planned Parenthood. Same, same. Uh, I remember having to go to the gynecologist with my mom. Always a stressful experience. Oh, yeah. I remember having that talk like, so this is what happens at a gynecologist's office. It was a little scary. I mean, you should still go to a gynecologist. Of course, the service is not a replacement for routine evaluations by your primary care physician or gynecologist. But, you know, if you know you're, you've gotten that pap smear and you, and you still need to get your birth control, this is amazing that they offer things like this now. Yeah, it's just convenient. So here's how it works. Trying birth control for the first time or need to renew your prescription, you fill out an online health profile 
profile and answer some questions to find the best birth control for you. A doctor reviews if you're a good candidate for birth control, recommends a product, and writes a prescription. Then your birth control ships to your door on a recurring schedule, no interruptions. It's free with most insurance plans and under $20 a month on average without. Which is a steal. $20 a month without insurance? That's incredible. Can you put a price on not being pregnant? I think not. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, already have a prescription and want to cut out the hassle of pharmacy visits. That sounds great. Just give them your pharmacy information. They'll do all the work to transfer your prescription and start shipping your birth control to you for free. That's incredible. Uh, so, you know, you really should check them out. It's always such a hassle getting birth control, I feel like, nowadays, you know. I feel like some people still, they don't know how or where to go. And this is just a, seems like a great resource that yeah. I really wish had been around. You know, I wish so many things on the internet had been around when I was right? young and had a lot of questions. The internet just makes everything easier. This is very true. Don't miss your chance to try the service for free. Our listeners are going to get the $20 prescription fee waived by going to simplehealth.com slash single. That's going to simplehealth.com slash single and then enter single at checkout. So make sure you also enter enter S-I-N-G-L-E at checkout and you'll get that $20 prescription fee waived. Check them out, you know, and uh, protect yourself, guys. Use that, use that birth control. We would like to thank our sponsor, Away. Away uses high-quality materials while offering a much lower price compared to other luggage brands by cutting out the middleman and selling directly to you. They have so many varieties of colors and four sizes. They've got the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, a medium, a large. And, you know, my personal favorite attribute, I guess I would call it, that yeah. this luggage has is that you can charge your cell phone with your luggage. Why has nobody else thought of this? That is everyone's favorite feature, I think, of Away suitcases. I actually just got, um, as a bridal shower gift, I got Ian's sister in Away suitcase. Really? Isn't that a great Did gift? you use our code? Uh, yeah, I use I, I use code single checkout, guys. <laughs> uh, and she was using it with her fiance. They were traveling and he told me his phone was dead and he was like, man, wish I had a charger. And then two seconds later, he was like, my suitcase is a charger. And it was an amazing moment. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. I love that so much. Yeah. I, I felt like a good gift giver. Uh, incredible gift giver. Uh, other cool features of these Away suitcases. All suitcases are made with premium German polycarbonate. Carbonate. Carbonate fancy. Yeah. So fancy it's hard to say. <laughs> exactly. That's how you know it's good. Unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and also very lightweight. I have one myself. I can just like drag it around. It's also really easy to get around because of their four 360 degree spinner wheels that guarantee a smooth ride through the airport. Uh, both sizes of the carry-on are able to charge your cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and anything else that's powered by a USB cord. Very convenient. So cool. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash single and use promo code single during checkout. That's $20 off a suitcase. Visit awaytravel.com slash single and then use promo code single during checkout. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox for Jenna Birch to help us answer? Okay. Well, you teased our first question. Um, this is This question was signed, your socially inept listener. Oh. I doubt you're as socially inept as you as you think you are. Uh, okay, this is what she writes. She says, 
basically the issue is I keep running into uh, on online with online dating. Uh, doesn't really matter which app. Tried them all. Is that things go great when we are conversing, but once numbers are exchanged, I tend to get ghosted. I like to think I am pretty okay with my texting frequency and keeping the topic short and brief in order to leave some mystery and chatter for the first date. I understand it's a numbers game and that getting slash giving someone your phone number should be uh, the aim of meeting up quite soon. Uh, I just can't seem to get over that hurdle of getting the right amount of conversation over text to remain mentally relevant in that person's mind. So she lists a few questions. She says, number one, should there be a cap slash time limit when talking to someone online or through text? Do you want to answer that or should I read all her questions first? Maybe read them so they're in our mind. Okay. All right. And then next she wants to know, what are some safe topics to talk about through text without depleting your social reservoir before you meet IRL? I like the language she's using there. I like a good metaphor. Um, how often should you be texting someone before you meet them? For instance, if you've made plans on Monday to go out on Friday, should you only be checking in to confirm said date on Thursday slash Friday? Well, we, I, we've talked a lot about that one on our podcast about the double, triple confirm. But I guess let's go in order. Yep. So her first question, should there be a cap slash time limit when talking to someone online or through text? Because her problem is she keeps getting ghosted once she exchanges numbers, which is surprising to me because it's kind of like what you said, like giving somebody your yeah. number and exchanging numbers is a pretty clear signal that I'm ready to take things to the right. next level. Let's meet up. So why once they mutually exchange numbers, is this girl getting ghosted? Well, I'm wondering like how much information she's giving. It seems like she's very meticulous and keeping it very short, which I think sometimes that doesn't give somebody enough of who you are to want to meet up. So it's walking that fine line, not that you sit there and write novels, but like asking thoughtful questions. Like one of the first questions I ask, which does really well for me, is like, what's the most interesting thing you've done this year? Like, I want to know like, oh, I like that question. who is That's this fun. person? Like, what do they find interesting? Like, what weird worldly thing have they done? Like, I want to know. And I think it's interesting and it's always provoked really good conversations. So then you get like a solid back and forth with that person before you exchange numbers. You're like, I get this person's personality a little bit. And I think that we have some interest in common. So if you're not giving them enough, then you're going to get lost in that sea. So I'm wondering, like, I don't think there's there's a cap. Like if you, you know, you can sit there and exchange 30 messages in one day, or you could, you know, exchange two or three and it could be more drawn out. But if there there's some substance there, then I think that there is more, more of a chance that they'll want to take you on a date and like take you offline. I think that's great advice. And, you know, to add to that, so I would say make sure there's substance, like what Jenna said. And then if you want to just go with what our article said, well, this was, I guess, the cap to the average of uh, to swap numbers. But they said 36 messages are averaging four days. So mm -hmm. you could also keep those very specific right. numbers. Yeah, in no line. need I, to count them out exactly. Yeah, but. <laughs> don't go crazy with that. And also, you know, it. yeah, you could really start to overthink it where if he writes like, yes. You know, sometimes people send like five messages, but they like break them up when they yes. could be sent as one text. You know, like do you mm -hmm. count those as five separate or should you count them? As it could get very technical, but yeah, uh, no need for that. Yeah, no need for that. All right. Next question she had, though. What are some safe topics to talk about through text without depleting your social reservoir before meeting IRL? So I love the question that you said. What's the most interesting thing that you've done this year? Any other uh, little, I don't know, 
tips or tricks or conversation starters that you like I mean I would do I would do my best not to think about it as like safe topics because as soon as you're starting to dance around things I think that that becomes really inorganic and then you don't have this like free-flowing conversation with like another human being which is what you're supposed to do when you connect on an app so I think for the most part I would say start with the most interesting thought-provoking question like you can use mine (laughs) or you can like make up one of your own like what do you want to know about this person? What would you want to know before meeting them? Like, what would you want to talk about is the like first topic to jump into on a date? Think about it like that. And usually once you ask one good question, it flows from there. The next conversation, like they're going to give you like a little paragraph and you're going to find something interesting within that. And then you'll pull it out as a nugget for your next question or like to continue. So that's an organic conversation. And I wouldn't want to be like, oh, stick to these topics like the weather and sports. And that that's not going to really get you anywhere. And I wouldn't worry about texting too much to deplete your reservoir because if anything, it'll give you stuff to expand on once mm-hmm. you see them in person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, but you know, once you've, once you've talked enough where you realize you want to, you want to meet this person, then just like schedule the date relatively yeah. soon, you know? <laughs> yeah. And just like get it done. Right. Yeah. You're not going to run out of things to say to one another. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, her last question was how often should you be texting someone before you meet them? For instance, if you've made plans on Monday to go out on Friday, should you only be checking in to confirm said date on Thursday or Friday? So this is something we've talked about. Yeah. My girlfriends are like triple confirmers. So if if I'm going out with my girlfriends and we make plans on Friday, they will confirm Wednesday. Like, can't wait to see you Friday. Like, you know, uh, uh, who else is coming? And then they'll probably check in on Thursday. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. And then on Friday, they'll be like, you're still on for tonight, right? And then uh, leaving, and then they'll text me like an hour before. I'm leaving my house right now, like <laughs> getting on the subway. Yeah. So they're like quadruple confirmers, but men are not like that in my experience. So women, I feel like, get in their heads a lot because they're used to with their girlfriends. At least if you're in my group of friends, you're loose. You're used to like quadruple confirming so you expect other people in your life to do that too and most people don't do that so most people if you make plans on monday um i mean i would hope that you would maybe like ask them how their day's going on wednesday and maybe kind of like just like have a normal chit chat in between that week you know and like you could maybe throw in a like looking forward to friday but yeah i would just like confirm Thursday night or even like Friday day, like still on for tonight or confirming day of always made me feel better. Yeah. Confirming day of. I would like not waste my confirm. I would have the urge to do it the day before. This was something I struggled with a lot. I would be like, cause I wanted to do the quadruple confirm, but I wouldn't let myself, I would literally set a goal for myself where I was like, if I don't hear from them by like one o'clock day of, then I'll let myself send a confirmation text. Yeah, I like that. Like, you know, still, you know, excited, excited to to see you. Like, right. like you still on or whatever mm-hmm. is is good to do on Friday. But if you go, if you go Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. without talking at all, I would honestly probably be like, is this date still happening? Like, I, I, right. I but I think there are guys okay. that do that. Yeah. But that, that just like, that are like, oh, I'm super busy. And then like, yeah, that, but that'd be dumb. But hopefully you would talk to them between Monday and Friday. But just know that you don't need to do the quadruple confirm like you do with your girlfriends. Your girlfriends and you do it because they're just super excited to see you. And hopefully guys are too, but guys are not as uh, neurotic as, as my friends and I are. Um, would you agree with that, Jenna? I would definitely agree with that. I mean, if men set a date for the most part, they're going to, they're going to follow through. Um, but in terms of texting beforehand, I, I think that 
the the weird thing that I've learned in a lot of you know unofficial studies with my friends is usually the the dates that go better and the ones that we end up keeping in touch with and have more to talk about. Like we talk going up to the date. I mean, it's not like a bunch. Like even if you exchange like four or five messages a day, you're still like keeping that going and it's like building into the date. Like you you don't you feel kind of like you know this person. There is some familiarity and you know what to bring up on the date. So. I think it's good. And usually that keeps the ball rolling and there's less of a freak out. Like when you're like, oh, you're still good for 7 p.m. tonight. Yeah. Day of is perfect. (laughs) Uh, What else do we have in the mailbox for Jenna? We got one more email. Okay. I love this next one. This one's actually from a male listener uh, named Kay. Kay writes, I'm a big fan of the show. I'm a 28-year-old male and I finally moved into my own place in Los Angeles this summer. Congrats. Congrats, Kay. Uh, from a female perspective, what are the most important things you notice when you first walk into a man's apartment? Any information or tips are much appreciated. Okay. So when I first walked into Nick's apartment, uh, I noticed he lived in like a big loft because it was his art studio and he lived there, but he there were no walls between like the bedroom and the kitchen. It was all just like one big space. Um, I remember noticing it was big, but it felt so much like a bachelor pad, not like a... Not like a a man cave, but he did have like an empty TV that had a pole in it for his clothes. And then he didn't have an actual closet. He had kept like, you know, those cardboard moving things that have, that have like racks where you can hang clothes, but they're cardboard and they're for moving. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Anyways, he had kept like his cardboard boxes. He had kept his clothes in his cardboard boxes. Cause he was like, why do I need to buy a closet when there's a pole in these cardboard boxes? They are a closet. <laughs> Then he had on his bed in art school, he had created this like, it's like St. Jerome is the face. And he had like recreated like a mold, like a ceramic mold of St. Jerome. And it was on the middle of his bed, almost like a throw pillow. But it was such a guy thing to do to be like, I want to decorate my bed nice and I make my bed. I'm going to put like a big ceramic like face of St. Jerome on my in the middle of my bed. It looked almost gothic. It was very weird. But I thought it was very like endearing and cute. So hot tip if you're a mess, just say you're an artist and it will come off as like <laughs> come off as avant-garde art. and quirky. Exactly. <laughs> um I would say the things I so his personality was definitely showing through. It was almost like endearing and like a little adorable. But the things I paid attention to like were there a bunch of dishes in the in the sink like that's kind of gross like was there was there soap in the bathroom because you want to like you know I hope this guy like washes his hands after he goes to the bathroom so make sure there's like soap is in there and the bathroom's not nasty I would just say like stuff being clean because as a woman you're like clean you don't want to be like hooking up with a guy that's like dirty so I, I would like <laughs> you know and if his apartment's like dirty and he's got like dirty dishes and like his you know, ran out of toilet paper and doesn't have soap. I'm just like, oh, this guy's like kind of gross. I don't know. Right. I don't get, you don't want to feel I, like you're in a frat house. I don't want to get like naked with a guy that doesn't like wash his hands after he poops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. That's what I look no, for. No, I yeah. totally agree. And I, like when in doubt, just like, you know, copy a catalog. Exactly. You can't go wrong. Like don't panic about having expensive things or like, no. ha- you know, having it look like a perfect Pinterest board. Like clean is number one, being fully stocked. Just having it look like an adult lives there. Don't have posters, like unframed posters taped to the wall. Like oh, a dorm no room. unframed posters. Yeah, don't go like any dorm room shit. And like wash your sheets once a week. You yes, know? please. Like girls can tell if you don't. Cleanliness. Right. Jenna, That's anything else? That's the number one thing, cleanliness. Right? I mean, I feel like 
for the most part, women, we like have that touch where we, we're always going to feel more at home in something that we've designed ourselves. For sure. <laughs> it's just how it is. But cleanliness is number one. And it goes a long way to put a little bit of thoughtfulness in there. Like you said, like soap, towels. I can't tell you how many guys like just don't have a towel. Like I just, right. I want to be able to wipe my hands. <laughs> it's like yes. a very weird and thing. And I don't want to wipe my hands on your on your bath towel right. that, that you, this is a big thing, guys. Like, I know you think like, oh, well, I don't need another hand towel because I have my bath towel. But like, I don't want to wipe my clean hands after the bathroom on like the towel that you like wipe your balls with after you get out of the shower. <laughs> you know? That musty smell. I feel like I can smell that ball towel right? just talking about so, it. So even though you just cleaned your balls and you just got out of the shower and you're clean, like you need a separate towel for people to wipe their hands on. So we, have that. We think about that. Yes, we think about that stuff. Yeah. And like, I don't know, <laughs> get a candle, like light a candle so the smell is nice in there. Honestly, oh man, a seasonal candle will go so far. And if you have a plant, I'm like, wow, he's the type of guy that like, cares about plants and takes care of a plant. That's cool. Also, plants oh. just make most spaces look nicer. They do. And if you're really struggling, go to our sponsor, Havenly. Oh, right. Use code SINGLE at checkout. I'm not even <laughs> kidding, though. Like, they will really help you out. They, they helped me out. I don't assume that just because I'm a woman, I know how to design my apartment. I don't. I went to Havenly. They helped me. I've also, you know, yes, they're a sponsor and we recommend them. But if you want, like, another um, Home Polish is another really great site that I've had a lot of friends use. They're really similar to Havenly. You'll get the discount if you go to Havenly because they're a sponsor on our show and you can use our code SINGLE. But uh, but Home Polish, I've had a lot of friends use them. Um, and, like, just, like, if you go to, like, CB2 and just, like, copy some shit in the, ca- yeah. in the catalog. Or Ikea like, if you're on a budget. Ikea's fine. Ikea's totally fine. Yeah. Um, well, we hope that's helpful. If any of you listeners want your questions answered or if you have any funny messages that you want to share, email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find all of our info on our website at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. And now let's dive in to our reason of the week. This week's reason is what people really want. Yes. So what can women and men be doing to better help their success for finding a partner if that's what they really want? Because we learned from your book that what people really want is maybe a little different than what we thought. Yeah, it is. And I think that that's something that's very complicated. I think that was a Maslow quote. Abraham Maslow said, you know, figuring out or determining what you want is a rare psychological feat. It's something that few people know. So my big advice for people looking for love and actually looking for a relationship is number one, to put effort into it. So many people think this organic thing will just appear like, no, you have to take risks and put yourself out there. But the whole way, like, listen to yourself. Like so many people told me, like, I knew this was wrong, but I did it anyway. Like I knew this wasn't going to work, but I did it anyway. So if you're looking for a relationship, you're trying to, I guess, be closer in tune with your intuition and like this is what I'm looking for and this feels right to me and like really following and being able to cut out when for some reason it's just not aligning or you feel like this person isn't a compatible fit like our emotions get really enmeshed in our relationships and even the dating world so you know when you're looking for love you have to have that mix of emotional intuitive and like that analytical thinking like this is going to work in the real world the rational thinking so just be in tune though the whole way you hope to find a relationship that feels really right within yourself I love that yeah I think yeah definitely when you find that person who because we can get it can start to feel normal to have that feeling early on in relationships where you're like oh I hate that I did that I hate that I said mm-hmm. that and it just is like well this is what dating is but when you find that healthy match mm-hmm. you have less of those moments right and that's how you know you're going in the right direction yes 
it's definitely, it, it's totally true. People think that they'll never find it, but it, it happens. It will happen. Yeah. On that note, it is time for our Reason of the Week Breakdown. Modern dating is a bitch sometimes. Don't you just wish guys and girls were romantic like in the old days? We're going to relive nostalgia by playing our favorite game of Fuck, Fuck Mary Kill. Kill with old timey stars. Are you ready? Ooh, yes. <laughs> All right. First up. Uh, so you got to tell us who you would fuck, who you'd marry, who you would kill with old-timey stars. In case you've never been to a slumber party and don't yes, know how yes. this works. Catherine okay. Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn, or Marilyn Monroe? Ooh. Goodness. That's such a good question. Um, so I think... Uh, I mean, Marilyn is so cliche to say fuck Marilyn, because she, but she's like beautiful. She's the icon, right? Yeah. So I feel like fuck Marilyn... Uh, I feel like I would marry Catherine Hepburn because she's oh. just such a badass. Like yeah, I love with Catherine you there. Hepburn. Like she's she is a badass. badass. So I would have to, and I would have to kill Audrey because it's the only one left. But I would want to. <laughs> she's great too, but unfortunately, she's the last one left. She's so got to. Go. She's our victim. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that one. Okay, next round: James Dean, Humphrey Bogart, and John Wayne. Oh my gosh, James Dean. Oh. I feel like I'm so cliche. It's definitely like James Dean. It's like immediately fuck. Um, he would be a, a good fucker, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> so James Dean, Humphrey Bogart, and who's my last one? John Wayne. John, John Wayne. Oh. I'd have to kill John Wayne. And yeah, I think Humphrey he smoked, yeah. he smoke cigarettes. Crazy. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, he had some weird conservative yeah, politics. He would he be really dead in the did. ground for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one I had to, would have to go. So then Humphrey, you're marrying. Yeah. Uh, all Hum right, next Humphrey up. Humphrey was great. Clark Good. Gable, Paul Newman, Cary Grant. Oh, man. This is tough. Um, I have to marry Paul Newman. I always like Paul Newman. He's good. Um, I have to fuck Cary Grant and then kill who's left. I feel Clark like Gable. Clark Gable. Man, that sucks too, but <laughs> he's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next. Fred Astaire, Marlon Brando, and Gene Kelly. Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, and who's my last? Marlon Brando. Mm. Also kind of a sexy icon. Yeah, I would have to fuck Marlon Brando. Um, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, they're both good. I'd have to maybe kill Gene Kelly and Fred wow. Astaire. He's kind of an icon in his own way. And you could dance Ooh. with him all the time. Yeah, yeah right. very. You gotta in do your it. living room. <laughs> yeah. All right, last round for you. Elizabeth Taylor, Judy Garland, Grace Kelly. Mm. Uh, I'd have to... Man, I'd have to fuck Elizabeth Taylor. She just had some serious sass. Like, I love her. Um, maybe Mary Grace Kelly. She's just, like, my style icon, too. So yeah. I'm, like, obsessed. And who's left? Man. Poor Judy, Judy. Garland. Poor Judy Garland. She's Judy's. amazing, too. <laughs> this was a hard one, guys. <laughs> well, it was... That was a fun one. I don't know. I kind of... I, I think I agreed with a lot of your answers, actually. Yeah. I did. But I would marry Judy Garland and save her. She, she's great. <laughs> All right. For the record... <laughs> let Judy, it be known. <laughs> let it be known. Judy has been saved by Angela Spera. Yes. Um, well, guys, we hope we've cleared up this week's reason because that is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Jenna Birch. Check out her book, The Love Gap, 
Follow her on Twitter at Jenna Birch. Any other plugs we should tell people about? Oh, and yeah, come find me, my new dating app, plumdating.com, and, and sign up for when we launch. So that'll yeah. be great. When too. are you going to launch? We're going to launch December 1 as our target date. So we should be right at the end of the year. So that's fun. This will be like an exciting thing for you guys to do around the holidays. You could get grandma to help you swipe through some people, help grandma right. give you give some ratings. Yeah. And then afterwards, you get to like review them like it's Yelp. It's people Yelp. I love yeah. it. Check it out. <laughs> Um, and a plug for ourselves, check out our book available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook on Audible. Yep, and you get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors, including Havenly, which we were plugging earlier. For a full list of our sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhyoursingleshow.com. We're also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye! Bye. This is why you're single. 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 That was a headgum podcast.